0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. I want to share with you that Ashley Falco, who did our children's sermon this morning, uh, Ashley kind of was a product of some of the work of, of Upward, and she's been involved with that since. Oh, yeah, I, I, I get that one. She was, she was involved in in Upward when I came here as pastor, and and here's a really cool thing. Uh, Shakespeare has a famous line that is actually uh, spoken by a villain that uh, that says we should first kill all the lawyers. Okay, y'all remember that? Ashley is a lawyer, and I want you to know. That good things can come from lawyers. Okay, need to know that. And one of the things that she does is she is she's sharing about uh, about what God can do through your little boys and girls. And guys, Upward is not a program just to learn about basketball. It's a it's a place where we win the right as a church family to share the gospel with boys and girls in our community. And God's listen. They'll come for the basketball. They'll come because they want to play. They come because they will have family members and everybody here on Saturday morning cheering them on. And somewhere in all of that, God begins to plant a seed in their life that can that can end up growing so that they become the person that God intends for them to become. My hope and prayer is that you will right now pray for Upward Basketball. And if God has put on your heart that you ought to coach some part of that or be involved and plugged in in some way in that, if you'll go ahead and holler at me at the end of the service, I'll get you plugged in. Uh, Randy Crumrise is the fellow that is right now in charge. Also, Guy Cook, Guy, raise your hand. He can answer any question, any question that you have about Upward uh, and about what God is going to do there. Uh, Guys, it is a good morning. It is a blessed morning, and I'm thankful that we're here I hope you don't hear a sermon, okay? I have one prepared, but I hope what instead you hear is God's Holy Spirit begin to take words that we look at in the Bible and that we share about in this time of, of teaching. And He begins to use that, the Holy Spirit, He begins to use that to break down any wall or any stronghold that you have in your life so that he can begin the work of transforming you into something you're not and conforming you. One of them means change completely, and the other means press into a mold. And the mold we get pressed into is the image of Jesus. It doesn't mean we're we're exactly like him. It doesn't mean we're perfect like him. What it means is we are being slowly pressed into that mold so that when we see him face to face, it's no great surprise. That's the hope and prayer that God has for you this morning, and it's mine as well. If you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. Guys, I've got a couple of questions for you really quick. First of all, do you believe do you believe that God is in charge? And we asked this a few weeks ago. Do you believe that God really is in charge, and not just in charge of you, but in charge of everything in the entire world? Do you believe that? This is yes, this is no, this is I'm falling asleep, all right? If you believe that he is in fact in charge of everything, the next question that a lot of people have is, if he's in charge of everything, why is he allowing all of these things that are not like what he's supposed to be to happen? Guys, listen. Listen. There's a wonderful, wonderful teaching that we'll, we'll explore next week on why those kind of things happen. But today, if you believe that God really is in charge, then, then you've already taken the big first step towards your walk with Jesus. In fact, He truly is in charge. And it's called God's sovereignty. His sovereignty. The idea that God and God alone is the one that creates and has dominion, power over all things. His sovereignty. And because of His sovereignty, He's in charge. Not you and me. Not the President. Not the EU. Not World Council or the United Nations. God's really in charge. And He has the ability at all times... Listen to me. Don't think of it in the macro sense... Think of it in the micro sense. He has the ability, and because of who he is, he has the ability to go ahead and speak individually to your life. Please hear this. Please hear this. You do not, this, is, this sounds like I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, you guys don't even need to come to church. That's not what this is. You don't need me to tell you what God wants you to do. God has a direct line to you through His Holy Spirit. That's called the priesthood of the believer. It's one of the two tenets that Baptists have that's a hill worth dying on. God can speak to you without having to use a mouthpiece called a pastor or a priest or anything else. He is in charge. It's because of His sovereignty. And the Holy Spirit is... Is that person of God who moves you and me to believe and receive God's direction in our lives, so in other words, if God's in charge, how do we get it from god's from the belief that God is in charge and that he he has his sovereignty and and now he wants me to believe that he's in charge? How do we move there? Well, the Holy Spirit, he is that entity that comes to you and me and says to you and me, in the quietness of our heart, not just in in an auditorium like this, but in the quietness of our heart, he begins to take things like worship songs, circumstances in your life, friends, and most importantly, he takes the Word of God, the perfect and holy Word of God, and he begins to plant it into your life. And it can be done by someone sharing Scripture, as Lauren did this morning. It can be done as we read Scripture in just a moment. As a church body, He takes His Word and He begins to take down all of the little parts in your life and mine that are not Jesus-shaped. He deconstructs. Now, if you remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there were several times that God told specific people, "There is an altar up there for a false god." I want you to get. He said this to Elijah. So there's an altar right up there. Matter of fact, if you go to Israel, you can stand on Mount Carmel, the very place where there was an where, there were idols all over them. And he, God said, "Go up there and I want you to destroy, I want you to deconstruct the idol to the false god." Now, in its place, God never says tear down something without putting something in its place. And the Holy Spirit is that part of the Trinity that calls you and me not just to a knowledge of God, not just to the ability to believe that He's in charge, but also to the idea that we have a part in God's sovereignty. You and I have a part in the plan of God. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word. We stand because we honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word together. And I'm going to invite you to go ahead and read with me this Scripture. It's a long passage this morning, but, but listen carefully to what the Holy Spirit wants us to get this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, In Him also we've obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be able to praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have also believed. You are sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. If you're glad you're done with that, say Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> the reason I say that is because this set of pass- this passage that Paul writes to the Ephesian church, and guys, I've shared about the Ephesian church, It was a strange, wonderful place. The church probably, as I've shared before, didn't even number as many people as are on this side of the auditorium this morning. Probably it was about 20 people total, 20 to 30. And you could almost draw a line down the middle of them, and half of them were folks that were Jews that were raised and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. These were Jews that were still practicing in all, in all the faith and form, all of the heritage that they had been given. The feasts, they practiced every, every occurrence that, that marked them as Jews. And then you had the other half of the church, and these were all Gentiles. Kind of like most of us in this room. They're just happy to be alive. They're really glad that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for their sin. They don't look at it as being, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies, all 303 of them. He's the fulfillment of every one of those. In Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, 14, He's the fulfillment. They don't look at that. They're just, hey, how many of you all think, you know, Jesus fulfills every one of the Messianic prophecies. How many of you all woke up this morning thinking that? Now, if you were thinking about the Lord, you were going, man, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I'm pretty pleased about that. I don't have to carry that mess around with me. Well, guys, when Paul writes this, he's writing half to the Jewish folks and half to the folks that are non-Jewish. And this little church had split over that very issue because the Jewish believers over here said, "All all of you Gentiles over here, especially you guys, you got a little work in front of you. Now we're going to mention something in here that may cause some to cringe. It's okay. It's in the Bible. Circumcision. How many? How many of y'all have had heard a really good sermon on circumcision? Raise your hand. Yeah. We just don't want to talk about that. Can I get an amen, guys? Guys, can I get an amen? All right, we'll talk about circumcision then, all right? We're going to get it out of you one way or the other. The reason that there was an issue in the church was because the Jewish believers said, if you're really a Christian, if you're really following Jesus, you need to go ahead and be circumcised like us. Guys, that's the rough equivalent of walking into a Southern Baptist church as you're in right now, and somebody's saying to you, if you're really a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't be wearing blue jeans. If you're really, ladies, if you're really a follower of Jesus, you would have your head covered. How's that working for you? When God begins to go ahead and draw you and me to, the Lord, to His, His favor, what He really wants us to do is to understand that God's choice is you. His choice is you. Part of what he says to the Ephesians there is the idea of saying God predestined you to Him. What does predestined mean? He planned it before you were ever in your mother's womb. He knew it from the day that He created the first things. He knew you. It means that when Jesus died on the cross, He knew your name, He knew your face, He knew what you had done, and He loved you anyway and decided you were worth dying on the cross for. God chose you. Did you catch that when we read it? Out of all of the people in the world this morning, God has a desire to be with you. And he has chosen you to be a part of his family, to be adopted through the work of his son, Jesus, who died on the cross. Guys, I have three adopted children. I have three. I've got a 32-year-old, a 31-year-old as of the day before yesterday, and a 12-year-old. There's a long story. Come afterwards and we'll talk about it. All three of my kids, if you were to go ahead and go to Ancestry.com, you take, take their saliva and you send it in, all three of them are going to come back DNA negative for me being their father, their birth parent. I'm not ever going to be their father. I will be their daddy. My goal for my kids is that they would know and acknowledge that their father is not a biological contributor of 23 chromosomes, but instead... A God who loves you and me so much that He gave His only begotten Son for their salvation and for yours too. That's my hope for my kids and for you. Because God's choice is you. And He has counted you from the very beginning to be a part of His family. The Holy Spirit is that, is that part of Him that calls you and me and chose you to be his child let me ask you a question do you guys remember being a kid i hope you have at least some really good memories of that i watch our kids up here on on sunday mornings and so many of them have so many wonderful little characteristics they get excited and they wiggle all over they, they are willing to answer any question. Have you noticed a couple of them when they're up here, when it gets to the question time, and Ashley was asking them this morning, did you notice one particular kid was up here, and as she said, I've got a question, and as she did. Did you see that? The hand's already up. I've always wanted to, when a kid does it, maybe, did you all do this as teachers, when, when, when a kid does that, did you ever just go, okay, answer the question? Did you, ever do, Steve, did you all ever do that? It's a terrible thing to do. That's an adult thing to do. The kids are happy to be alive. And God has chosen you to be his child, to have that wonderful enthusiasm and innocence. It was before income tax and insurance. It was centered around getting to play with friends instead of having to go ahead and and dress appropriately for everything that you do. That's what being a kid is. And God invites you to begin your walk with Him as His child in His family. He chose you to be His child. And He chose you to fulfill His will. Now this is the part that means you and I will not always stay as a child. That is some mighty small print up there. Alright? He chose you to fulfill His will. And guys, what do you, what this means is that as you and I come into His kingdom and His family as children, we don't stay there. Guys, listen. If you have been a Christian longer than I've been alive, that's a wonderful thing. Sam, you celebrated 80 years of being a believer this past week. That's wonderful. But guys, if Sam is still eating Christian baby food as a man of years old, then there's something wrong with Sam. You see, you and I have to get to the place where we understand that He chose you and me to fulfill His will, and He uses the Holy Spirit to go ahead and move us from being a kid in Christ to being mature in Christ. When Paul wrote these things to the Ephesian church, what he was really getting at is this. You Jews over here that are, that are Christ followers, you folks that believe Jesus is Messiah, quit emphasizing the minor things. The important thing is that God has loved you and has chosen to share Himself through the Jesus the Messiah with you. And He loves all of these Gentiles over here. And even though they don't have your great heritage, He loves them and died on the cross for them too. And what we ought to be doing, guys, listen, when we come here on Sunday mornings, this ought to be a place of celebration instead of stagnation, instead of condemnation. This is the place that we go not to get our Jesus fix for the week, but to let Jesus fix who we are not just for a week, but for the rest of our lives. He wants you to grow up to fulfill His will. This is the part that means you and I don't stay a child. You have a destiny and a mission that God has set aside for you. And no one else has been assigned this job but you. Paul hints in that, in that first chapter that if you and I don't take on the assignment that God has given it will be left undone. It doesn't mean God can't get it done without us. It means He has created us for this very mission that we are on and the endeavor in your life. So let me ask you this. Have you discovered God's mission for your life yet? Have you got that? Do you know why God put you on planet Earth? More importantly, not just put you here, do you know why God still has you here. Guys listen to me. If you're still breathing this morning, if you're still alive, God is not finished with you yet. And not only is He not finished with you, but He wants to begin to use you and He will continue to use you until your mission is completed in Him and then He will take you home. And I know some of you all are going right now, I have a loved one who is terribly incapacitated. They're not even alive in the sense that I know what life is. Why is that person still suffering and around? Guys, it's because God uses you and everyone around you at all times to bring His will to pass. If you believe He's in charge, that my loved one who can no longer remember my name, my loved one who can't respond any longer, is not there that I can just throw it out and say, okay, well, God's in charge, so therefore He'd be okay. No, it's because God is using that person for His kingdom will, and listen to me, likely To try to break down some of the false God idols that are in my life. God is at work at all times around us. He chose you to prepare your friends, your family, and all you know for the return of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a reason you're in Navasota, Texas at this very moment and that you're at the First Baptist Church. It is to share what you know to be true. There is one essential biblical truth that could, could happen today and it could happen even as we are here this morning in worship together. And that is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back. Some of you all believe He might come back before this sermon ever gets over, All right, He might. And if He did, that would be a great thing. That would be a wonderful thing. If you haven't discovered your mission yet, as we talked earlier, this is a part of it. God has decided in His holy will that it will be soon and you have a task to share with your friends. There is no greater joy that I know as a Christ follower than seeing a friend or a family member discover that God loves them and chose them for heaven. And conversely, there is no greater sorrow than seeing someone that you know, that you love, slip into eternity in a Christless grave. You want to know what part of your mission is this morning? Make sure that you tell people the truth. The truth. God loves them. Jesus died for them. And then be willing to go ahead And share with them what He has done in your life. How He has changed you. That is the Holy Spirit beginning to use you for God's will. The fact that His choice is you. There's no greater joy in that. O.A. Phillips is a legend here in Texas. Do you all know who O.A. Phillips is? If you do know who he is, raise your hand. Don't give it away. O.A. Phillips rose from the most humble of beginnings in Texas. He taught and coached in Texas high schools. He was a man who was looked on as a legend when he began to coach, give it away, Clyde, the Houston Oilers. And his nickname was Bum. Y'all know why he was called Bum Phillips? Y'all know? Bob Phillips refused to wear any kind of formal wear. He would wear blue jeans literally to anything. When he went to a wedding of a close friend, he wore blue jeans. Now they were clean and they were pressed. By the way, do you, do you all know people that press their blue jeans? <laughs> Y'all know, and they have this like this little white stripe going all the way down there, and then you look behind them, they got this little white stripe going all the way back. How many of you all in here will admit to God that you press your blue jeans, okay? Ben, you press your blue jeans? It helps you stand up straight. (laughs) Bum Phillips pressed his blue jeans, and he wore formal attire to this wedding, including a nice tie that matched his blue jeans. And a couple of people said, you don't do that. This is a formal case. You don't. He looked like a bum. It stuck. Bum Phillips is famous for the Houston Oilers' time period called the Love You Blue period, okay? You had Earl Campbell as your running back, okay? You had Mike Renfro. By the way, he did catch it. It was a catch in the end zone, and they missed it, okay, against the Steelers. I share this with you because Bum Phillips all of his life feared God but never knew Jesus. He allowed people to come into the locker rooms and preach the gospel. He was one of the first NFL coaches that had a chaplain that, was a, that he hired and assigned to bring the gospel to all of the players on the Houston Oilers teams. He did that. But yet he did not have a faith in Christ. His body began to deteriorate, as did his mind. Yet late in his life, a friend came up to him again and said, Mom, I need to share with you about Jesus. I want you to hear it. And he said, Now I've already heard everything about him. He said, I know, but I need to tell you again because God loves you. That's the truth. That's the mission that God has for all of us to share. He said, God loves you. And Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of your sins. And he had heard this dozens of times, hundreds of times. And then as an elderly man, he realized, and he shared these words, wonderful, wonderful words. He said, God waited all my life for me. God has waited all of your life for you. The fact that He loves you. You see, God's Holy Spirit is just beginning, It's just the beginning of His work in you. God's Holy Spirit is just the beginning of His work in you. God is in charge, and the Holy Spirit is leading you and me the understanding of the fact that He is the boss and the work He does starts as a child in Christ and then helps you graduate to maturity in Him. You won't be on baby food forever as God's child. He wants you to eat grown-up food like okra. Oh. No, forget that. That's not in the Bible. When you finally grow up, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, it talks about eating the meat of the word. It says by this time you ought to be doing this. You're not, you're not there yet. That the sign of maturity will be the ability to eat the meat of the word, not strained peas or carrots. Ladies, do you remember having to feed your child strained peas and carrots? Do you remember the smell? And I get an amen. It's awful. It is awful. Weren't you glad when that child had grown up to the place that what you cooked for everybody else, they could eat? Wasn't that a blessing? God wants that same kind of blessing in your life and mine. The Holy Spirit brings you and me to the place that we understand that God is in charge, but He wants us to to give yield to our will over to His will. It is not selfish or egotistical. It is God being God. He's in charge. And the Holy Spirit is that promise of learning more about God while you're still here on earth. I want you to think about this. Do you ever remember taking an open book test? How many of y'all ever had an open book test while you were in school? Virtually everybody. All right? You had to to know where in the book the answer was without always knowing the exact answer. It was a way the teacher used to get, get you familiar with the subject without having to master it and know everything about it. God knows you and I don't have it all figured out this morning. He gives the Holy Spirit as a comforter when we are in sorrow and as an encourager when we lack courage. He lets us know that when we miss the mark, He still loves us. And when we need help in following God, He provides the power to do that. And while you sit in your pew this morning, the Holy Spirit has been working around you. For some of you, it may be something that was said or something done in this worship time. But if you're beginning to feel God's draw, not to a church, not to a pastor, But to walk with Him in a new and different way than you did when you walked into this auditorium this morning, that's the Holy Spirit. And what He is doing is telling you, God's in charge of your life. But He needs your yes. Will you give Him your yes today? Let's pray.